0: Your host, Emily. I'm glad you're here. Episode 18. It's the Tangled episode. It's finally here. We're finally officially talking about Tangled. I mean, I, I know I've brought it up a time or two, but this is an entire episode dedicated to Tangled. I'm just so excited. And it actually just so happens to be one of the only things my older brother and I agree on. Maybe that's part of the appeal too. A quick reminder that if you want to watch along with me, by watch along I mean watching 48 animated Disney movies over the course of the summer, there's a printable copy of the challenge list available on my newsletter justkeepswimming.substack.com or in the show notes. There's a new issue of the newsletter each week where I talk about pop culture and life lessons and just anything that pops into my head really. You can subscribe to make sure you don't miss the conversation and it'll just show up in your inbox every Sunday. It's that easy easy. Now, there's not really time for a story here either. I got a little long winded in the list, if you can imagine. I had just as many feelings about tangled and observations as I did frozen. Um, For those of you who said that my opinions were trash when it comes to frozen, I hear you. I acknowledge your opinions and your feelings and your thoughts. Thank you for listening. You know who you are. Um, But I had a really fun time actually recording that one, and it was a lot of fun to put this one together as well. I was going to do a quick little story about, um, I think I mentioned my first trip to Disney World in the Sidekicks episode with Julia and how I went with my brother and sister-in-law. and didn't have to worry about a thing because my sister-in-law knew where everything was and I was just along for the ride. Um, and I mentioned my brother earlier. So I was, I was going to do a quick story about how he asked the fairy godmother from Cinderella right outside of the castle to transform a little Kermit doll into a prince for a sister because she really needed a man. So I made it short and sweet. That's what it's like to travel with my brother. He actually gets mentioned, I think, a little later, or that trip does. So why I'm throwing that in there. But we're just going to, since there's not a lot of time, since I took up a lot of time and I don't want to keep you forever on the list, we're just going to get going. Let's do this. All right. But first, an overly simplified summary of Disney's animated feature, Tangled. So there's this evil and despicable woman who kidnaps a baby who has magical healing powers and locks this poor child away in a tower. Now, we're going to fast forward 18 years where this baby has become a young woman who is very bored in this tower and would like to go explore the world. She wants to go see a lantern festival that just happens to appear every year on her birthday. But fake mother, which that's what we're going to call her, is insistent that she not leave the tower because there are just thieves and murderers and horrible people out in the world that want to kill her and chop off her hair. So this girl, this young girl in tower, she blackmail a th- black, blackmails a thief who just happens to show up in the tower <laughs> um, to take her to this lantern festival. And Fake Mother then pursues the girl and manipulates her into returning. Then the girl gets a haircut and everyone lives happily ever after. Except, spoiler, Fake Mother who falls out a window and disappears. I left a lot out. I was very vague too for some reason. I don't know why I was referring to them as fake mother and this girl. <laughs> they have names. Uh, but all things considered, I don't think it was it was too bad. Should we just dive into the list? Let's let's just dive in. Number one, great opening line. I mean, this is the story of how I died. It immediately pulls you in. You're like, oh my goodness, what is this story gonna be? You know, and you know what else the the intro sequence does, which is wonderful? They explain the magic. Did you hear that? They, They give context to the magic. Is it perfect? No, which we'll talk about here in a second. But they explain how the flower, and consequently Rapunzel, that girl, got its power. And that is way more information than we ever get in Frozen. Again, it's not perfect. There's still a little bit left out, like how the people knew that the flower was magical and where to look, or how Mother Gothel knew the song that needed to be sung to get the power to work. I mean, was this not the first drop of sunlight that had fallen? Maybe that's how it works? They had seen it before, kind of like in Neil Gaiman's Stardust with the Falling Star, and you just have to wait for another one to to come? I mean, the wonderful, wonderful narrator also mentions that the flower's power has kept, kept Gothel young for like hundreds of years. Are I, I feel like we are then led to believe that that little cover, that little leaf cover that she puts over the flower has kept it safe for that long, which just seems improbable. Doesn't make sense. So the context isn't perfect, but it's a start and it's way more than we get in Frozen. Just to, to give another little dig at Frozen and there's going to be more, I'm sorry. Number two, you know what else this opening sequence has? a king and a queen beloved by their people. So beloved that the whole kingdom goes on a hunt to find the flower and save the queen. A magical flower that could heal anyone, but it doesn't appear that anyone except Gothel is in it for themselves. The sequence also shows a bit of foreshadowing for Rapunzel, which is really cool. I mean, it's subtle and I might be reading more into it than is actually there, which never happens so I feel like maybe that's not the case here that it was meant to knock you over the head and these Disney animators are so smart but baby Rapunzel she's laying in her bed and there's a mobile above her there's the sun that you get in the corona the kingdom um, emblem and then on the mobile are different things that she's going to encounter later in her life Uh, she sees a little chameleon that's so it kind of looks like pascal there's a white horse there's a duck um, for the snuggly duckling snuggling duck duckling um pub there's also a little man with wings and a cupid's bow like thing and you see that at the very end so just something i noticed this time around i hadn't noticed that before but i thought that was kind of cool number three this is just a statement the lanterns are beautiful i mean A stunning animated visual and it's a really nice endearing touch point throughout the movie. It shows the grief that the kingdom is feeling for the loss of the princess. And then it also shows is that touch point and shows Rapunzel's loneliness and her desire to go out and see the world and how all of that comes together and how it eventually brings them back together. It's very cool. I like that that little element of storytelling there. Number four, when will my life begin? So We've had the intro and now we meet Rapunzel and she is in her tower. She's locked away and she starts to sing. And it's a great song filled with actually quite a bit of character development. Gives Rapunzel depth. She's optimistic and positive. She's creative and very industrious. She's funny and she's also incredibly lonely, which of course she's lonely. She's stuck in this tower with this awful woman who comes and visits from time to time in a chameleon. It's also (laughs) eerily similar to my manic lifestyle during quarantine. I mean, thinking if I could just fill the day with enough stuff and enough jigsaw puzzles and enough walks around the block and enough trying out new recipes and enough cleaning and cleaning out closets, I could maybe forget that I was stuck at home and desperate for personal connection. So I, I totally sympathize with Rapunzel and her kind of chaotic overly industrious lifestyle. Number five, you also get excellent character development every time that Flynn opens his mouth. So Flynn is the thief that stumbles upon the tower. He has stolen a precious item from the castle. It happens to be um, a crown that I I would assume it's, it's either was going to be Rapunzel's crown, that's a spoiler too, or maybe it's the Queen's, I don't know. Um, but he steals that. and But every time he opens his mouth, there's some character development. He's cocky, he's self-assured, and he relies heavily on his charm, which you see over and over and over again, and how that gets him into trouble and how he kind of starts to move away from that with Rapunzel. And where Rapunzel is stuck, she's stuck in a castle, a tower, can't get out. Flynn is the kind of the opposite. He's out living his life, feeling the freedom, all by kind of illegally, that she longs for. And you think, you start to think, okay, when they first meet, this is just going to be a, a simple opposites attract situation. Until you get to know Flynn as Eugene, Eugene Fitzherbert, um, and you see that he's, he's stuck as well in his own way. Number six, Mother Gothel. We have to talk about Mother Gothel a minute. Her manipulation is next level. Next level. Not only has she locked this poor girl away in a tower and convinced her that she's her mother, she is also very good at making Rapunzel doubt her own abilities while at the same time boasting about her own strengths and abilities. I have all of these but you do not. I mean it paints, she paints such a terrifying picture of the outside world that Rapunzel never even attempts to escape when she's not around, and Mother Gothel Gothel calls her chubby. I mean, that's just rude, that's just mean, unnecessarily mean, you know, it it just shows her pettiness. She is definitely one of the most conniving and plain evil villains in the animated Disney archive, which just makes her kind of terrifying. I mean, when you we talked about Cinderella back in the villains episode, Aubrey and I, Watson and I talked about her and how there's a there's a pity that you feel for her, especially after watching the live action video movie that you kind of understand where she's coming from. Is it fair? No. Is it nice? No. But there's context to it. There is no context at all. She is just evil for evil's sake, which is horrifying. And again, with the character development, from the opening sequence to the song, her song, um, Mother Knows Best, you know exactly what Gothel wants and how far she'll go to take and keep it. It offers an added element of tension when Rapunzel eventually leaves the tower because you know that her kidnapper, this fake mother, will be coming after her and will do anything to get her back. Number seven. My goodness, we're already in number seven, but we're only about 15 minutes into the movie. (laughs) But We're going to do a very quick recap for the plot just to prove a point. You have a stolen princess with magical powers, discontented and desperate to see just a small sliver of the world. You have her captor dedicated to gaslighting her stolen ward to keep her in line. You have a kingdom still in mourning even after 18 years, and you have a thief in possession of an important item who stumbles upon Rapunzel's tower after escaping capture from the kingdom guards and also betraying his buddies thus creating two more points of tension that the the military is after Flynn and then these these evil buddies are after Flynn as well. Now this is the opposite of lazy storytelling. All of the cards are on the table at the very beginning of the movie. The plot has been set, and now you've you've given room for rising action action and character development. All the things that Frozen did not do. When you keep a secret about a character for the entire movie until the last five minutes, that's just lazy storytelling. You you are not allowing characters to grow and you're not showing a diverse amount of emotions and feelings in in human interaction, but but Frozen just didn't get right, but Tangle got it right. (laughs) Another dig. Number eight. I know I've already mentioned it, but it bears repeating, Maximus the horse is a brilliant character and the perfect comedic relief. Like Sven in Frozen, I will give Sven this, they mastered giving this creature facial expressions and personality. While maintaining natural human and animal behavior, not human, animal behaviors, that's the whole point is when they do human, natural animal behaviors. I mean, I would consider riding a horse again one day if it could be Maximus. I would trust him implicitly. And I've mentioned I don't really care for horses. They scare me a little. And I'm going to go to the state, I talked about the state fair when there was one that was just so big. I'm going to the state fair this weekend. I'm going to see these horses and I'm going to try not to be scared. I'll just imagine them as Maximus. I don't know. Number nine, frying pans are heavy, so it really does make an excellent weapon, and it's hilarious. And I like how they keep pointing out, like frying pan. Who knew? But frying pans are heavy. I mean, the thing kind of looks like a cast iron fi- frying pan. There is no way you could swing that thing around with that much ease. I, w- I would end up hurting myself. I would break my wrist. I don't even know if I could hold it up without in one hand and they're flipping it around. It's a, it's a little far-fetched that one. I, I don't believe that. I mean, I can't even really pick up a bowling ball and that's shaped to, you know, fit your hand and it has the finger holes in it so it should fit comfortably. I can't even do that though. So maybe maybe you can just flip a pan around and I I'm just too clumsy to do so. Number 10. So now Flynn we've only gotten as far as Flynn in the tower he has climbed the tower he doesn't know who's inside he gets hit on the head with the frying pan and Rapunzel has tied him up to a chair in his hair with her hair so then we get the smolder I mean just the smolder an excellent line that goes back to showing Flynn's charm and we're just going to get it out of the way Flynn's voice is dreamy. Zachary Levi is dreamy. And the way they made Flynn resemble him a bit, it's just a shame Zachary Levi will be too old for a live action reboot that I know we'll get eventually. Uh, But I'm a big fan. Big fan over here. Number 11. Pascal doesn't do a whole lot in the movie, but he's an excellent interrogator. He understands the importance of intimidation and gives a mean wet willy during that scene when Flynn is tied up. Uh, I I would want him on my corner, on my shoulder, just kind of glaring everybody down. Number 12. And we even get a cute montage during this point with Rapunzel going through an eerily familiar anxiety spiral where where she's both terribly excited and doubting her life choices at the exact same time. And I think I've mentioned before that I do like a a montage. I mean, I've been there, I've done that, had those kind of anxiety spirals where I'm like, yes, this is great, no it's not, what am I doing? Oh my goodness, I don't want to do this but Rapunzel made the leap. Literally, she leapt out of the tower, but it was a leap into her own life, a leap toward confidence and independence and resilience. And she continues to take those leaps the rest of the movie, and she doesn't let those doubts stop her, which hold that thought to the life lessons portion of the conversation. I'm pretty sure we will be talking about it. Number 13, back to the excellent storytelling. In the song, Mother Knows Best, Rapunzel is repeatedly warned about the ruffians that reside out in the real world, dangerous individuals who will maim, cheat, and murder you. <laughs> so, I, that you know, I kind of have that feeling too after listening to so many true crime podcasts. I am suspicious of everyone and every pickup trip, truck that drives past me on my evening walks now. So, of course, it makes complete sense that she would stumble upon some ruffians on her journey. This particular group of ruffians aren't the maiming type, though. They're lovers and artists and musicians and mimes. They're vulnerable, which is interesting, sharing their dreams. And, and it goes against the often prevalent macho stereotype that you see in pop culture, especially with men who look like that. I mean, what an awesome thing for little kids to see. Adults who might look one way but act another and dream another, um, people that... You know, that that age old thing, you can't judge a book by its cover, which we all do, but we shouldn't because there's some wonderful people out there that um, maybe we didn't have the best first impression and we didn't give a chance at the same time. Number 14. So there's an excellent chase scene as the three groups seeking out Flynn and Rapunzel converge on their location. So just a reminder, we've got Mother Gothel, who's after Rapunzel. We have the military who's coming after Flynn because he's stolen the item from the kingdom. And then he has his two buddies who he backstabbed, and they are also coming after him. So they all converge on this little pub where these ruffians are located. And it's followed by a rescue and a magical revelation. And finally, another moment of vulnerability around the campfire. So it happens to be Rapunzel's hair that saves them. It can glow, and they're able to see into the dark waters and find a way out because they've been trapped in the waters rising. Um, and then Flynn, who had no idea about the hair, kind of freaks out. And so they're sitting around this fire, and she's explaining what's going on with her hair. And then Rapunzel does something that Elsa, again, another dig at Frozen, but Elsa never does this. She takes responsibility for her own actions. As Rapunzel is telling Flynn about her hair, she says, Mother says when I was a baby, people tried to cut it. They wanted to take it for themselves, but once it's cut, it turns brown and loses its power. A gift like that, it has to be protected. That's why mother never let me. That's why I never left. Right there. She owns it. She accepts that she could have left that tower. She could have started her life at any moment, but she didn't. Just like Elsa, she had reasons for doing what she did. But unlike Elsa, she owns up to the part she played in her life and takes responsibility for her own decision making. And that's why I have so much more respect for Rapunzel than I do for Elsa. Number 15, And I love Flynn and Rapunzel's relationship. They're getting to know each other. They're building a friendship and trust. And as much as I like Kristoff, and I do like Kristoff a lot, and and Anna is okay, but Anna is so single-minded throughout the entirety of Frozen that you don't get to see this relationship develop between the two of them. Um, It it just, it's a very one-sided thing with Kristoff kind of being enamored but Anna, who is actually still engaged to another fella, she's she's got other things on her mind so that 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 relationship doesn't get to grow but we get to watch Flynn and Rapunzel talk about things that are important to them and things that um have happened to them in their past and you see them become friends which is really exciting number 16 all right so they are now in the kingdom it's the day of the lanterns they finally made it to the kingdom. and they play this song. It's called the Kingdom Dance Song, actually. And it's where they explore the kingdom together, Rapunzel and Flynn. They go around. Rapunzel gets her hair braided. They kind of dance in a circle, what feels like a maypole situation. She's just in awe of everything she's seeing. But it's the song I I just love the song. It's one of my favorite songs on the soundtrack, and there's no words to it, it's just instrumental. But I listen to it often and there's some fiddle and some flutes and I know I've already talked about that. I do like a good fiddle and a flute so it just makes me a very happy girl and I I love that addition of that kind of music into the movie that you recognize it, you notice it. A lot of the times in Disney movies I don't tend to notice the songs that aren't lyrical songs. Um, I just kind of glance past them. This and I don't know why I've, I've thought of this at this moment, but it also makes me think um, you hear it sometimes when you're walking around Disney World, there is a section that is made for Rapunzel, you can see the tower. Um, and so it has a little bit of the Corona Kingdom flair. It just so happens to be the bathrooms. <laughs> Uh, but it, they make you feel like you've stepped into the movie despite all of the strollers. And so they have the wanted posters for the different thieves around the two um, two friends that Flynn has backstabbed. And then you look and look and look for the Flynn poster. Do you know where the Flynn poster is? It's in a men's bathroom. Why would you do that? But my my wonderful brother, who I went to Disney World with, he did go into a bathroom and take a picture of, for me <laughs> so I could see it. I wanted to see if they got the nose right. That's a gag throughout the whole movie that Flynn doesn't like the way that they've portrayed his nose on these wanted posters. And I wanted to see what nose was on there. So my brother did put, um, did take a picture of of it in the middle of a bathroom, which is fine. Number 17. Which then leads us to the song I See the Light. So now it's the night of the lantern when the lanterns are released. Flynn has found a boat and he's going to push them out onto this lake, I think. I don't know if it's a lake or I would assume it's a lake. They didn't seem to, no, they were on the coast because they are by a coast when they're looking for the flower. But he pushes this boat out and it's very romantic. And she's just looking up at the sky and looking at all of these beautiful lanterns. Um, and he's got one. He's sitting there and he's lit one of the lanterns that they're going to release together and they're singing a song. And as much as it's a romantic song that brings words to the feelings that Rapunzel and Flynn are feeling in that moment that have grown into a romantic nature. It's also a song about realized dreams, which just makes it so much more endearing that she's out there. She took that leap like that we talked about and um, that she stepped away from that tower and she's looking for her life and so it's a dream realized. And the the, it's just all so sweet. It's so sweet. I mean, it has a little bit of reminiscence of um, "Kiss the Girl" in the Little Mermaid with the boat uh, and the two going off together, and then there's the the romantic song. But this one is by far better, by far. Number eighteen, and the gaslighting is complete. So they're out there enjoying their romantic moment out on the the water with the lanterns, and just as they're about to kiss, Flynn looks up and he sees the two friends that he betrayed standing on the shoreline. Now, this is a part of the movie I don't fully understand why he decided to go over there. Um it when he gets there he he hands over the crown that was stolen and was like, "Oops, sorry. Shouldn't have done that. My bad." But why didn't they just row the boat the other direction? I'm not fully sure. I I don't know if maybe it w- if it was something with his conscience. Um you think if it was really something with this conscience, he would have returned it to the either to Maximus or to the kingdom. But not sure why he went over there. But it appears to Rapunzel that Flynn has betrayed her, that he has become the man that his, her mother had warned her about, that he was in it only for the crown. he That's the whole reason she was blackmailing him. He wanted the crown back. She was hiding it. But she had given it to him, and now at this point it kind of looks like, oh, he was just doing all of this to get to the crown. And that's where the gaslighting is complete. Uh, Rapunzel goes onto the shore. She hears a commotion. Mother Gothel appears to no one's surprise because she's planned this whole thing and Rapunzel says you were right mother you were right about everything and that just shows the truly horrifying villainy of Mother Gothel I mean this woman is awful she would make an excellent cult leader she gets you to do her bidding through manipulation and fear tactics and then you want me to be the bad guy fine now I'm the bad guy she is she is terrifying when Rapunzel tries to stand up to her there is no maternal bone in her body so how she managed to convince Rapunzel that she was her mother is just beyond me but it's just a whole sequence where you just feel so you kind of see the culmination of this manipulation and how it's kind of completed in that split moment it doesn't last long thanks thank goodness but um, it's a it's a horrible conclusion nonetheless at that point number 19 I know I know there is another attempted sacrifice. Uh, So now Flynn has been rescued by Maximus. Flynn had been thrown into jail. Maximus has helped break him out with the help of the ruffians from the ugly um, duckling tavern, the snuggly duckling, not the ugly, the snuggly duckling tavern. And He has gone to the tower because he knows that's where Mother Gothel has Rapunzel. And at this point in the movie, Rapunzel, it has occurred to her that she is actually the stolen princess. Um, So, and that is not actually her mother. Thank goodness it finally came out. And it's not going well. Mother Gothel is, um, has chained her up and it's just, it's horrible. Uh, So Flynn has gone to save her. He climbs in through the window and the Mother Gothel stabs him oh, guys, she stabs him. These are so many spoilers. Um, And Rapunzel then says, no, no, let me heal him with my hair, and then I'll go. I will go with you. I, I won't try to fight you. I won't try to run away. I will be yours. So there's another attempted sacrifice there. But in fairness, Flynn has literally been stabbed and is on death's door. But the thing that you get from this movie is that he also sacrifices himself. Before... Rapunzel can heal him. He cuts off her hair because he doesn't want her to be held captive anymore because of this power that she has. So he too is sacrificing himself. So they're sacrificing for one another, which I think just makes it a little better, maybe. Number 20, finally, the most far-fetched moment of the entire movie is when Flynn cuts Rapunzel's hair with a glass shard and it comes out looking perfect. Right there. Now that's stereotypical movie magic. It never turns out that way. I mean, I have never tried to cut my hair, but I've watched my nephews cut their hair. It doesn't come out right. There's just, I find it curious that Rapunzel was also at that point in the movie, another far-fetched point. So her hair is cut. It's now brown. When they knew her, As a baby, her hair was blonde, but they just very quickly accept her as the lost princess. She does look exactly like her parents, but there's no tangible proof. I mean, Flynn had stolen the crown, the tiara, but so it's not like she had it with her all along and this is the proof of, hey, this is this thing that I've had with me all this time. No. So that's a little, that part was a little far-fetched too. See, the movie's not perfect. It's close, but it's not perfect. And number 21. We get an epilogue. I mean, I feel like we deserve an epilogue at the end of every Disney movie. Why is that not standard? I want to know what happens to these people. Do they stay together? Apparently, yes, in this situation, which makes my heart happy, but... What was it like for them after a certain part of the movie? Snow White, did she end up marrying the prince? Did she even like the prince? She was very young. At what age did they start to have children? Did they have children? I mean, this goes on and on. Cinderella, what if she she has, okay, sure, the slipper fits, but she doesn't really like this guy. I mean, there's just a lot that could happen, and they don't let us know. But they let us know in Tangled, which I really appreciate. And off topic, I also like when Disney animated movies have good credits songs. Uh, It's another one that I've downloaded. I love it. I was just about to sing it to you, but I stopped myself. You're welcome. But it's another good one you can dance to. And if you haven't tried it, you you should. I highly recommend it. It's on my workout playlist that I don't actually work out to because I don't like to work out. I just like to go on walks. Anybody with me? Yeah? So that, in a nutshell, is why Tangled is far superior to Frozen. Magic that's understandable, no additional magical creatures that don't make sense, solid character development and growth, an actual plot, and Zachary Levi. Always Zachary Levi. (laughs) Now for those life lessons, and we've kind of talked about them already, but sometimes the first step is the hardest, the unknown, the unexpected, the unfamiliar. It can all be terrifying and intimidating. But once you've taken that first step, once you've made that decision and committed to it, then you're on your way. Will it be smooth sailing? No, (laughs) no, probably not. It's still life and life is hard. It's always complicated, but trust in yourself and your abilities. You were strong enough to make that decision. You'll be strong enough to see your way through. And Don't judge a book by its cover, which I totally do all the time. I mean, actual books. Don't judge a ruffian by their tattoos, their missing teeth, uh, their surly demeanor. You know what I mean. (laughs) Let people surprise you because they will. This world is filled with interesting, funny complicated human beings, and sometimes the most unexpected individuals will change your life. We're all living out unique and fascinating stories. Don't be afraid to play a small part in someone else's. It could be just a sentence. It could be a chapter. It could be a whole act. But if you don't leave yourself open to the unexpected, you might just miss something amazing. It's just my favorite you guys the animation is beautiful the characters are flawed and funny the music is memorable i just i love it (laughs) i recently read a fascinating article about the art of the adventure rom-com on avclub.com how in a well done and entertaining adventure rom-com quote the real appeal of an adventure romance comes from the uneventful respectful cooperation not the initial bickering they give space for women to take the lead instead of playing the damsel in distress i mean throughout the article they talk about the african queen which is a fantastic movie with katherine hepburn and humphrey bogart romancing the stone kathleen turner and michael douglas and one of my favorites the mummy with brendan fraser and rachel weiss But you know what they also mention? They also mentioned Tangled as an adventure rom-com. It said, Disney's Tangled is probably the purest adventure romance we've had in our current era of masculine, weirdly chased superhero movies. That's right, A.V. Club. I mean, Flynn is often watching in awe as Rapunzel swings around on her hair and wields a frying pan weapon. He doesn't assume she needs help but is there to help if she needs it. And Rapunzel owns her space, her body, and her actions. I mean, it's a great article. You should definitely read it. I'll link it in the show notes. And if you haven't gone to see Jungle Cruise yet, because that's why it came out, Jungle Cruise is another surprising adventure rom-com. I had not expected that, Um, but you should totally go see it. It's a, a great summer flick. Emily Blunt can do no wrong, and The Rock is pretty awesome too. So highly recommend. Final wrap up, my favorite scene, all of them, (laughs) Uh, but if I have to choose one, probably the scene where Rapunzel has Flynn wrapped in her hair in the tower. The interaction is hilarious, like I mentioned, Pascal on her shoulder doing his intimidating stare, the way she's kind of hidden in the shadows at the beginning and he's using that charm to try to get out of the situation and then you get the smolder. I love that whole sequence. Favorite song? Come on now. No contest. I see the light, but I do look forward to them all. There's not one that I skip. Sometimes I get tired of songs and I skip through them. I don't skip any in this. And favorite quote? Did I mumble, mother, or should I even call you that? (gasps) It's the power in Rapunzel's voice, the confidence, the sassiness. I also, of course, really love frying pans. Who knew, right? Oh, so good. So what do you think of Tangled? Do you agree that it's better than Frozen? Am I way off base? Are you also in love with Zachary Levi? I would love to hear your thoughts. Please share them with me. Or if you ever want to talk about Tangled, I am free. Come find me and we will talk about Tangled. A quick rundown of what else I've watched. Big Hero 6, which is just so sad. Oh, it's good, but kind of a tough hang, to be honest. And I do really want a Baymax. I think I need one. I mean, after getting two workman's comp issues, um from as a librarian I think I just need my own Baymax the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh I also watched which also happens to be one of my favorite rides at Disney World I've said that more than once haven't I I like all of the rides at Disney World but I do like that one the the lead up to the ride the interactives that they have that's a little much when there's lots of children it's very loud But the ride itself is just so sweet. It's a quick one. I love that. And I also watched Atlantis, The Lost Empire, a voice acting win. They had so many good voice actors. I mean, Ernest P. (laughs) Wuerl from Ernest Goes to Camp. What's his name? Jim Varney, I think. Just Michael J. Fox, um, James Garner, a lot of really good voice actors. I really like them. I'm so close, you guys, so close to being done with the list. I think I'm going to make it by the end of August. There were a few things that I started to watch that kind of got me distracted. I discovered that season two of Ted Lasso has come out on Apple TV, which has taken up some of my time. I also have become obsessed with Schmigadoon on Apple TV and then Outer Banks season two. I consume a lot guys, but there's some things that have gotten me a little distracted. And of course, the Olympics, I've got to tune into the Olympics, too. So watching Disney movies has taken a backseat, but I'm going to get done. I'm going to finish this. I'm committed. But that's it for today. Only two more episodes left. We'll, you know, start talking about something else soon. But it's kind of sad, actually, um, to kind of let go. I'm a little excited to let go of Disney, but it's kind of sad at the same time because there's a lot other Disney that we could talk about. If you didn't vote on social media on Wednesday on what I should talk about next, please go back and do that. I would love to hear your thoughts on what I should tackle for season two. And if you haven't already, I hope you subscribe so that we can keep going on this journey together. Um, That way, when season two drops, you also know when that's going to happen. I'm probably going to take a little bit of a break so I can maybe work ahead a little, (laughs) which would be nice because I still do work a full-time job. And uh, this is a lot of content I've been making lately. And if you've got the time and would be willing to rate and review the podcast, that would be so nice. It would be, very nice of you. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at, at gnomegirlm and on Facebook as a bit of fun with Emily. Go have yourself a bit of fun today, and I will see you next time.